This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, the reason for these enhanced measures is that our healthcare system is in danger of being overwhelmed. A quarter of our ICUs are already full. Another 25% have only one or two beds left. And elective procedures are already being cancelled. So will yesterday's measures ease the logjam? Uh, let's bring in Dr. Michael Warner, Medical Director of Critical Care at Toronto's Michael Guerin Hospital. Hi, Dr. Warner. How are you? I'm okay, Libby. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Um, crazy times. Uh, so, in general, your take, do you think that these are the measures that will help flatten the curve? No, I don't think they're going to make a tremendous difference, actually, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, I think the We'll, we'll learn more about the legalese around this perhaps later today, but the measures that were announced are inherently contradictory in that you know, there's a alleged stay-at-home order, but non-essential businesses are open 13 hours a day. I assume the people who work at those non-essential businesses to provide the curbside pickup services for people who aren't supposed to leave their homes are somehow deemed essential because they'll have to leave their homes to you know, work at those non-essential businesses. Uh, you're supposed to stay at home, but outdoor gatherings are allowed up to five people. I don't think the public really understands what the government's trying to do uh, with these measures, and there's no incremental benefits or protections for essential workers, especially those in factories, fulfillment centers, manufacturing facilities, to allow them to stay home while they're sick, while they're waiting for their COVID test results, uh, so they can protect themselves and their families. So this definitely falls short, and I think more measures will be required for sure. Uh we were talking to Mayor Patrick Brown earlier, and he says he believes that is the single most important measure, and that is to get some paid sick days for these really essential workers. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, this is this is not news. This is something people have been saying for months, uh, that if you are an essential worker, you get paid hourly, you have no benefits, you can't zoom into work, you have rent to pay at the end of the month and you have a sore throat, uh, you're going to work because you can't even take a day off to get a test because you won't be paid, which means your family won't eat. I mean, it, it's very simple. And those of us who do have the luxury of being able to work from home can't really relate to that. But that's the way many people live. And they have no safety net. And we all benefit by protecting those in those vulnerable jobs. And in terms of the overall cost to the government, Granted, the provincial government is trying to, I guess, ask the feds to do this, but they really should just pony up the cash because the overall cost is a rounding error when you consider the amount of money they're spending in, to- in totality to get us through this. And it's also the right thing to do because it will stop people from dying. We perennially see patients in our ICU who acquire COVID-19 from other people in their household who are essential workers or it's the essential workers themselves who are in our ICU. It is a fundamental problem, especially in Peel Region, which is home to many of these fulfillment centers and uh, factories. Do you have a percentage of people who you believe in your hospital acquired that 
Can you can you give get a, a specific with that? Well, I, I can tell you that of all the patients we've cared for in the ICU with COVID nineteen, I can't actually think of one that has come from a long term care home. So because they don't I think like the long-term them. Care home crisis is a very important. But those are not necessarily the patients that are filling up our hospitals. Unfortunately, many of those patients die in their long-term care home um, alone, you know, without their family there, which is a tragedy. But most of the people that we care for in the hospital uh, got COVID-19 from a household contact. And sometimes they don't know where they got it from, but often, especially in the area around my hospital, which, uh, you know, serves racialized and marginalized individuals, their workplace acquisition, that's that's where the COVID-19 came from. What we're seeing now more recently, though, Libya in our assessment center uh, are people who have COVID-19 who acknowledge they did get together with people outside their household over the holidays. Those patients who have COVID-19 have yet to filter into the hospital, into the ICU, but they will start coming. And these are people who made the decision to put themselves in a position that, you know, the incumbent patients in ICU couldn't avoid. That means congregate settings, living, you know, being together with people um, in close quarters that they had the option of, of of not being with. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we, I, I saw a couple of, again, confusingly different polls. Uh, one poll is said half of people broke the rules around Christmas, but another, uh, according to public health, that it's a third of people who aren't respecting the rules about sticking to your household. So uh, be, be that as it may. So you have people who could not avoid the situation who are essential workers who are not covered for sick leave now, and you're expecting people who, uh, who got COVID by, by having gatherings over the holidays. I think we're going to be, see a shift in the socioeconomic class and demographics of the people who end up, uh, you know, in the ICU. Uh, and obviously, I don't want anyone to get COVID. But I think that we have to acknowledge that if this if this pandemic started as a problem that affected people that live in my neighborhood or other well-to-do neighborhoods in the GTA, the overall response would be much different. And um, and, and it didn't. It affected you know poor racialized people to begin with, and it continues to do so. But those people with privilege who chose to get together, unfortunately, will acquire and spread COVID-19, most likely to people who they live with or people who came to their house. And ultimately, some of those people will get sick and end up in the hospital. And it's just such a shame because um, had they listened to public health advice, that wouldn't happen. And we also have the new variant you know, in Ontario that's likely spreading within the community. And that was brought in by travelers, you know people who um, chose to leave the country and come back or visitors to Canada. And some of those people may not have obeyed the quarantine that was required and we're not doing adequate testing to determine how much of this these new variants are in our community. And these new variants, as the modeling explained, have the propensity to spread you know, much faster than the original COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 virus that was circulating in Ontario. So that's why we really don't know how bad things are going to get, whether it's going to be really bad or catastrophically bad, depending on how much of the new variants are circulating. Uh, How is, like, what's the situation in your ICU right now? So the situation in my ICU is about 50% of our patients have COVID-19. There's an ebb and flow to it. So last week we were at 120% capacity. And today we've been mandated by you know the command table to take two patients from another hospital that's overflowing. And, and, and in fact, nine patients are moving across the city uh, just today, either within the GTA or to hospitals outside the GTA because ICUs are full. So 
it's called load sharing. We're trying to allocate patients to hospitals that have capacity. So once I receive these patients, you know, depending on what happens in the next 48 hours, I could be at 100% capacity or more than 100% capacity. But there are lots of hospitals, as you outlined initially, that are ex- exceed 100% capacity based on the data that was presented uh, yesterday. Eventually, everyone's cup will runneth over, and that's the challenge. And, and if there are beds in Ottawa, it doesn't help you in the GTA because uh, there's only there's a finite number of critical care transport teams who can move patients. And if you're moving a patient from Toronto to Kingston, for example, you know that's one transport per day. If you're moving patients within the GTA, they can do up to five. There's only, you know, I think four crews that serve the GTA. So if you do the math, there's only so many patients that can be moved. So load sharing or moving patients is a Band-Aid solution to, uh, you know, what could be an axe wound here in terms of the number of patients we're expecting. So uh, what's your message to people? Well, I mean, I think the government has has essentially put this back in the hands of the public saying, you know, if you only listened, if you just do what we say, but I think it's clear from the data that people need rules, and those re- rules need to be clear. Enforcement I'm not going to get into, but I guess for some people, enforcement will serve as a deterrent. But if we look at the mobility data, Libby, you know, they announced a lockdown on December 21st that wasn't implemented until December 26th. I mean, that's absurd. Yeah. Of course people are going to move around. Of course they're going to shop. Of course they're going to see it as a license to congregate if the premier isn't taking this seriously. And the, you know, the stay-at-home order is a stay-at-home order in name only because it's, you know, stay at home if you can and you don't need to go to a non-essential business to pick up a pair of shoes. I mean, there's, there's no limits on mobility. There's no limits on the number of times you can leave your house. Uh, there's no, you know, geographic boundaries where you're not supposed to go. And, you know, to me, this is beyond civil liberties. I'm not, you know, this is a healthcare crisis that's looming. And they will for sure have to implement more severe restrictions. But the longer they wait for a definitive lockdown, the longer the lockdown will be, the more people that will die, and and the more fatigue people will get with all this. So uh, it was far from a bold move yesterday. I think it was a half measure, and it was consistent with what we've seen so far from this government. Okay. um, That's not a very positive note. Do you have anything positive to say before we wrap up for the day? Uh, well, do I have anything positive? <laughs> Sorry. Well, um, this is, this, I can't sugarcoat what, what is a very serious situation. I mean, we, I spent yesterday talking about, you know, our triage protocol to, uh, determine, you know, who gets a ventilator and who doesn't. I mean, those are the conversations we're having in the hospital. Uh, when you have five patients who need two beds, how do you make those decisions? Uh, the moral distress that will accompany that for families, for patients, and for healthcare workers will be profound. And, and the government knows that that's what we're up against, so I just don't understand why we're not taking the steps necessary to make it less likely that we'll have to uh, you know, be in a position where we can't give everyone the care they need, which is a situation we've never had in Ontario, but a situation that's foreseeable. So I don't have much positive to say. Perhaps there'll be a good announcement at 1 o'clock or so today about vaccine rollout, and hopefully they're getting more shipments and, and the supply chain is getting worked out and more people can get it because the vaccine is the only thing that can pull us out of this, but that won't pull us out of this for 6 to 12 months. Um, Absolutely not. Dr. Michael Warner, thank you so much uh, for uh, making things really clear for us. I really appreciate it. Take care. Okay, you too. Thanks.
Okay, uh, people, I really promise uh, we're going to be discussing different aspects of this tomorrow. I'm sorry I couldn't get to all your calls. Call me back tomorrow and on Free For All Friday. I promise we'll get to it. And that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.